ahead into uh, 2020. I think my favorite picture of uh, like the year 2020 was 2020 vision. I thought that was, that's pretty clever. So may we see clearly this year. So the question really is, how does, you know, what is this new year going to look like? Uh, what does it hold for our community? The theme, I want to suggest that we follow a theme, and I'll explain it more as we go, but the theme I'd like us to follow is until Christ is formed in us. That comes out of Galatians chapter 4, verse 19 and 20. My little children, for whom I am again in the pain of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, I wish I were present with you now and could change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. So Paul is writing about this, this group of people that have started following Jesus, and then he kind of brings in this metaphor about childbirth and Christ being formed like a baby's formed in a womb, and it's really, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm perplexed. And so I just want to start there, with that term perplexed, because in the year 2020, there's a lot of people, not just Paul, that are perplexed about the church today. From the Center of Theology and Public Life at Mercer University, here are some things that we should know. One third of white evangelicals today will leave their childhood faith. Now think about our ch- the children. How many children do we have this morning in our children's ministry? If nothing changes, then a third of those children will leave their childhood faith. What, what you as a parent and what we have a com- as a community have tried to pass along to the ne- they, they won't be with us. If things don't change, there's a 40% departure rate among young adults. I would say, I did, that's without definition, but I would say young adults would be the 20, 30, 20, 30, that group. 40% of those that were raised in evangelical churches have departed. 60% of ex evangelicals join another faith tradition. So that's encouraging. That, that people, if they leave the evangelical church, they're going to other faith, like Episcopalian, Lutheran, you know, Presbyterian, other denominations, Methodist. But the sad thing is 40% of those leave, and they leave religion, faith, church participation altogether. They're done. A fair estimate that today they're at, at least... 25 million ex-evangelicals, people that have left the church. And again, that's, I don't know the timeline. I don't know when that started. But right now, wandering around in the midst of American life for 25 million people who said, oh yeah, I, I used to go to an evangelical church. I don't do that anymore. That's perplexing. That should trouble us. Paul was troubled by that. So what's happening? Well, it may seem too simplistic, but 
in general, but, and then I have to add, but there are some specific things that researchers are pointing to. But the, in general, it's the life of Jesus is no longer visible in the life of many evangelical churches. The identity of the church is no longer Jesus. It's become something else. So how are we? This is, this is a really important question. How are we, as a community, committed to following Jesus in the time that we're following Jesus? How are we going to make sure that the life of Jesus is visible in us. When people look at us as a community of people, do they see Jesus? Well, I have some suggestions. Again, this is, this is like looking ahead. This is where I hope we as a community will go this year. At the top of my list is we are committed to spiritual formation. Our teaching team is committed to the pains of giving birth to a full-term body of Christ. Now, I'm, I'm using highly figurative words there, but I'm trying to express to us what Paul was expressing about the young church in, in Galatians. So Paul was looking at the church as like an embryo within the womb of a mom. Now, I just had a daughter that gave birth. And so I watched her for, for nine months. And I, I mean, like, that usually when I was with Kate, there would be something that came up about Hudson. So she's brooding over the baby in her womb. And she's praying. And she's eating. I mean, she's doing everything that she can so she can give birth to a healthy and a whole and a full-term child. I mean, everything within her power. That's, that's what she's hoping for. And so what, what Paul is saying is, I want to be like that mom who's pregnant, very aware that there's an embryo within me that's growing into this child, and I want that child, when that child is born, I want that child to come full-term. I want that child to come healthy and whole and fully developed. And I want to do everything I can and my power for that to happen. So those of us on the teaching, we're, we're kind of we're saying we're going to be, we're going to go to the pain because giving birth, from what I've seen, is a pain. It is. And every woman in the room that's had a child can say, it is. If there's ever a, if there's ever a promise in the Bible that's true, at the beginning of the Bible, when it says, and you shall give birth to children in pain, you women can say, hallelujah, amen, that's truth. And so those of us that are going to stand up here and say, we have something that we want to share with you. We want to add to the formation of Jesus within our community. And we, we're committing ourselves we didn't talk about this. I just volunteered them. <laughs> right? But that's okay, right? 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 Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. We're in this together. I don't want to do this alone. So becoming a Christian is here depicted 
in Galatians 4 in terms of birth. And the goal is the fashioning of Christ in men and women and children. That's the whole point of us meeting together. The whole point of us reading the Bible together. What is this saying about us being fashioned into people that are like Jesus? Christ lives in us. Christ dwells in our hearts. We contain affection for Christ. In order that this Christ life may come into being in believers, Christ must take form in them. He must, in some sense, be incarnate afresh in each individual. Jesus must become incarnate in each of us in a new way, new ways this year. Now, again, just trying to put this together, trying to comprehend. This is, this is what I, I wanted to say this as a, I, hope that I'm, I hope this is the truth. As Jesus is the incarnation of God in human flesh for all of, hum, of humanity. That's what we just looked at through the Christmas season. We who follow Jesus must be the incarnation of Jesus for our generation. Without incarnation, no one sees God. No one believes in the promises of God. No one hopes for a life made better by the visitation of God. So as we as a community, with the teaching team that we have, and the things that we have to teach, we must be willing for Jesus to incarnate his life in us. Secondly, we're committed to equipping our community for kingdom living. We all need to understand best we can what is happening what is not happening in our culture and the church. My friends, this is not the way it's always been. Uh, I'm, maybe I am. I was going to say, I'm usually not the oldest person in the room, but maybe I am. Well, maybe I'm not. But, but, but those of us that are the older in our, I, I just, I've got to say to you, uh, this this never been like this. It has never been like this my whole life. It's never been like this. This is really unusual. And therefore, we, we have got the best we can. We, again, our leadership team wants to take it upon themselves to do the best we can to equip our community to understand what is happening What's happening in our culture? What's happening in the church? So we want to we start a regular class for equipping our community for the challenges and the opportunities we face this day. We, we haven't decided on when we're going to do that class. We're not, we haven't decided on 
the frequency of that class, but we're committing ourselves. We want to take it upon ourselves as those that are leading our community. We want to help equip our community. I want to give you some examples. We have got to learn how to think critically and to converse civilly. Now, my, my point, when, when I went through Dallas Seminary, I spent four years in seminary. I, I, I learned some great things. I got some great tools. It, it took me years to recover from it and get back the sweetness of my relationship with Jesus. But leaving that aside, that's another part of the story. But I was taught a historical, grammatical, literal, critical hermeneutic. That means the way that when I approach interpreting the Bible, I'm going to look at the history, I'm going to look at the grammar, I'm going to, these are words, this is literature, I'm going to read it like I read the sports page, I'm not going to introduce all these little crazy funny things, and it's critical. Now what that critical means is, I don't take myself so seriously. That means you should be able to disagree with me. Now, one of the things I was taught when I went through Dallas Seminary was the theology, the, the system of dispensationalism. Dispensationalism has figured out how this thing is going to lay out. When I was in Chile, uh, one of my friends in Concepcion said, I, 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 can't, I can't have any conversation with any other pastor in my city about the end times and dispensationalism because I'm not a dispensationalist. But they just get mad and start yelling at me. I would suggest that if, if you, with one of your beliefs, if somebody tries to talk to you about that belief and you disagree with them and you get mad and you start yelling at them, I would say that you're not thinking critically. You are taking yourself way too seriously. You are also being very, very prideful. If we can't admit that some of the things that we have believed have been wrong, we have been led astray, then we are vulnerable to be led astray again. Now, we as, we as a team, we're going to do our best to try to, you know, aim towards truth. But we are not infallible. We're people. And it's, there may be some disagreement between us. But when there is, we can talk about it. We can talk about it civilly. We can talk about it with respect. We can disagree with each other and love each other. One, there, is, there is this a divisive spirit that is coming against the church of Jesus Christ. And a big part of that is people just so polarized in their position... I'm not talking to you. And if you don't believe this, you must believe that. Oh, no, I don't believe that. Well, we just pigeonhole people. We don't listen. I want us to be part of that solution. If that, I hope that makes sense. Uh, well, there's some things in hi history. Again, the longer you live, the more you begin to, to connect the dots. So there are some things happening today that if we keep going down the path, we'll, 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 we'll enter into some of the disasters of history. We, we need to know what those are. Uh, prior, really, a biggie that just keeps jumping out is identity. Who are you? 
identity. Who are we? And how do you prioritize the priority of your identity? How do you prioritize? What are you first before you are second, third, fourth, fifth? If I came in here every week and said, I'm Norwegian and I'm going to fly my Norwegian flag. And we're not having any snacks that are anything other than fish. (laughs) And by the way, it's like fish you throw up on the bank and you let it kind of like dry out and freeze and then you put it on the table. Yum. (laughs) You know, you you should be able to say, that probably, you ought to put that way down on your priority list. (laughs) 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 Committed to Christ being formed in us. Committed to equipping the saints for kingdom living. We're also committed to sacrificial service. We're not going to stop serving. As we're called to serve the least, the poor, the hungry, and the thirsty. We believe and we practice compassionate ministry. That is a vineyard value, but even more than that, that is the ministry of Jesus. We want our mercy to increase. We had, a, we had a little bit of increase this past year. But we want an increase of our mercy towards people that are in our city and they're in need. We don't want to say, be well fed, be warm, see you later. That's in James. There are people in our city in need. There are people clustered on our border Indeed, somebody gave me the number. It's thousands of people who've looked at our nation as a as a, a haven of hope, a refuge to go to. When I'm in trouble, I run there because I, I can get help. We're not going to stop having mercy. And then there are people in other parts of the world. I have a friend in Congo that my phone sometimes dings at night and he says, pray for us. The rebels have just come to our village. We're in the bush praying that they don't find us and kill us. Tell you what, that is not a very restful night. We had Daniel Benora, a Palestinian Christian, Come speak to us. The first Palestinian Christian pastor I visited with was in 1999. And he told me, I can't go to the States anymore. Nobody will listen to my story. They tell me I'm a liar. They tell me that I'm, a, I'm, I'm deceived. They tell me that I'm filled with a demon. I can't go anymore. Well, I'm going to keep listening to the story. That's the mercy of God. We're also committed to sacrificial service to one another. That's what our small groups are about. Our small groups are simply getting together to listen to one another, to pray for one another, to care for one another, to serve one another. We really value living life together. Not just by gathering on Sunday mornings, but doing it sometime 
during the week in one of our homes. Because there's things that we can say in a smaller group in a home that we would never say on a Sunday morning in a bigger gathering. We also, someone has made a suggestion, hey, is it possible that we could serve one another, have a 12-step study to help some of us live in a greater freedom? The answer to that is yes. So we're going to see if, that, if, that, if that's there, if we can gather people and do that. We want to sacrificially serve one another. We also want to sacrificially serve the nations. We've, we selected a team uh, to discern what we're going to do next in partnership with Lavinia Chile. Well, we haven't yet met, but we're going to. That we're, that's not forgotten. It just kind of got lost in the Christmas season. We're going to figure that out. We're going to continue our, our ministry of reconciliation in Palestine and Israel. We, we're reconciling community. That, again, that's a vineyard value. And again, it, it comes right out of the Bible. The ministry of reconciliation is what the church does. We're also committed to sacrificial service to our neighbors. You know, after a couple of years of unusual sending, it's really time for us to gather others to follow Jesus with us in community. So this is a year for, for all of us to say, you know, who is it? Who do I know that would benefit from the community life that we enjoy together? I feel like over the top, blessed, encouraged, strengthened by gathering together. So who is, who is that person in my life that would, would benefit from what we have? I want to share who we are and what we have with others. And there's people in our city that need that. So I think this is the year that we invite others. Come along with us. We want you to join us. We want you to receive what we, we receive. We're also going to reach out to our neighbors with Alpha. Alpha is an effective tool for those who are considering following Jesus. So Joe and Denise have been trained in Alpha, and so we're going to try to kind of recruit a team to work with them and, and see if we can share. Just here, this is, what, this is who Jesus is. We just want to let you know what you do with that. You'll be encouraged to follow, but... In the, in the way that Jesus would do it as well. So my friends, until Christ is formed in us. This formation is both a gift and a task. So the prayers I want to pray this morning are, Holy Spirit, give us all we need for our formation. The Holy Spirit can do things within us that we could never do. The Holy Spirit wants to continue to gift us with transformation, with change, decision. Also, Holy Spirit, empower us for the tasks before us, the teaching, the equipping, the serving. And why? Why pray those prayers? So that Christ should come to full growth, to maturity in the church. Would you like to stand with me?
Holy Spirit, we want to end this time by inviting you. to breathe on us, to hover over us, to speak to us. Holy Spirit, I do ask that you give to each of us and to all of us all that we need for Christ to be formed in us. Lord, you know, you know where our we know where we're stuck. You know the places that are less than what they should be. So Holy Spirit, bring that, that disclosure of this year you want to do this within our lives. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you do empower. Empower us for the tasks that are before us. Empower the teaching, empower the equipping, empower the serving. Holy Spirit, we know that we can't move forward in all of this without your help. Help us. Pour your resources into us. Make this happen. Mature us. Deepen our faith. grow us up so the year we place into your hands and we welcome you to do your work in us and through us in the name of Jesus amen so God bless you in